0: I'm reading this morning from the book of Judges, chapter 13. Turn there with me in your Bibles. As you're turning, I want to say I'm in unity with your pastor and saying we appreciate you coming to the house of the Lord this morning. We pray that you will receive from God that that you need to help you in this day that we live today. We have had a wonderful time this past week in Revival, had some wonderful anointed singing and musicians. I've just enjoyed myself this past week, but today is the first day of a new week, and we want to begin it the right way. There's no better way to begin the week than to begin in worship, and I'm glad you're here to do exactly that this morning. I encourage you to come back and be with us in the service this afternoon. And then throughout this week through Friday night, come and be with us in this meeting. I have some very important messages the Lord has burned into my heart that I want to share with you this week. This morning I'm going to share from Judges chapter 13. And I'll read also from other chapters in this book. I'm going to deal with a subject today. Uh, it's a story that no doubt everybody has heard, preached, and you've had it in your Sunday school class. But I want to I want to share with some thoughts that I have this morning on this same subject of Samson. I only use for a title. Samson was conquered. Samson was conquered. Now. I'll show you from the Bible the consequences of being conquered. I'll show you the reason why he was conquered. And I want you to relate this to yourself as a Christian, as a backslider, as a Holy Ghost-filled saint, whoever you might be, to realize the significance of this story of a man called Samson that he once had the anointing, but he lost it. We need to realize that we live in a day-to-day where the enemy is doing everything he can in such subtle ways to rob an individual the anointing of God. Why, Brother Mason? Because the anointing is what makes the difference. We have, you know, I've, you can say also you've heard people sing and people preach that was not anointed. and Then you've seen those that have been anointed and what a difference it makes. I've been to some churches where they did not have the anointing there. They had programs, they had things that they would do, formality that they would go through. But when it come down to the bottom line, you could say they were not anointed, that God was not in their midst. But I want the Lord to minister this morning through this message to every person. In the book of Judges, chapter 13, verse 25. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Estakul. Now, I want you to see this word here. The Spirit, now that is none other than the Holy Ghost, began to move who? It began to move Samson. Now, that tells me there was a time that the Spirit of God did not move him. And it tells me there come a time when He began to move him. Now notice in chapter 14, verse 6, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. In verse 19, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Then in chapter 15, verse 14, in the middle part of that verse you'll see where it says, and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became his flax, that was burnt with fire in his bands, loosed from off his hands. Now, I could stop right there in my reading, and every one of us could say, "My, what a man of God! What an anointing that Samson had!" How mightily God used Samson to do some great and mighty exploits. But we must continue reading the story. We must find out does it conclude in this matter? Well, chapter 16 tells us in verse 4, verse 4, and it came to pass afterward. And I want you to see that. And it came to pass afterward. After what? After four miracles or four things that I just read to you, where it said the Spirit of the Lord moved upon Samson. But now after all these things the Bible says in verse number five, and the Lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, entice him and see wherein. His great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against Him, that we may bind Him to afflict Him. Then we will give thee, every one of us, eleven hundred pieces of silver. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee." Now I want to read in verse 20, And she said, The Philistines be upon thee. Samson, and he awoke out of his sleep, and said, I will go out as at other times before, and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him, And put out his eyes, and brought him down to Gaza, and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house, howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Verse 28, And Samson called unto the Lord, and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once. O God, that I may at once be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Our Father today, it is indeed a privilege to be in the house of the Lord again with your people. I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon the singing today and the musicians. I pray that that same anointing would flow through this vessel that you have made and shaped and formed. I pray speak to every heart. Help us to see the dangers that are before us that we live around today. Help us, God, to be always awake and aware, aware of the tactics and the devices of Satan so that he might rob us of that anointing that God only can give. i praise you for what you're going to do in this service this morning. In Jesus' precious name, Amen and amen. Brother Charlie, if you'll give me some of the monitors. My subject is, Samson was conquered. Samson was conquered. Now the Bible said, on four different occasions, in chapter 13 and chapter 14 of Judges, that the Spirit of the Lord moved upon Samson. And he done it for a purpose and a reason. You know that God sent the Holy Ghost, which is the third person, of the Of the Trinity, for a purpose and a reason not just to make us have goosebumps and and our hair feel like it's standing on end, and sometimes it feels like your back's going to crawl off, but it's for a purpose and a reason that we might have power and authority over the devil. not only that Jesus said himself in Acts chapter one, he said that we might be witnesses unto him, therefore the enemy knows if he can stop that anointing, stop the flowing of the Spirit of God, he doesn't care so much if we sing as long as nothing happens. He don't care so much if we preach as long as nothing happens. He don't care so much if you even witness as long as nothing happens. But when there is anointing there, when you feel the power of God in your life, the devil fears and trembles at a church that is anointing anointed that is filled with the Spirit of God. Now I'm going to tell you something this morning that may alarm you. The devil did not take away Samson's anointing. The devil cannot take your anointing away, but let me tell you also that he can do things that cause you yourself to relinquish and give up the anointing, and that is exactly what the devil done to Samson. Samson knew what it took to have to take to have the anointing. He knew this is the way I got to live. Here's the way I got to walk in it. It was stipulated to his parents. His parents was told by the angel of God. To the mother, said, "Don't drink any any strong drink. Don't 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 do any of those things. Don't drink wine." He said, "Don't come to any dead body, and don't you cut this boy's hair. You let Samson's hair grow out. Now his hair length was a symbol of his consecration. It meant he's a Nazarite. He's consecrated." given to God and the point of this message is this the devil is seeking to break the consecration of the church to break our dedication and commitment the pastor dealt with one of the points this morning of tithing and offerings if a man is truly consecrated you'll never have to tell him to give an offering or beg him rather you'll never have to beg him to pay his highest tithes because he's consecrated to the work of God I'm going to tell you church this morning if you don't get the anointing in this day we live you will not survive you say preacher don't say that to me i've already told you if you don't get the anointing you're not going to be able to make it in this evil day that we live in today some folks' is, uh, concept of consecration is I go to church or I pay tithes and give an offering. And that's about as far as it goes. But the enemy is working day and night to break the consecration of the church. I didn't say concentration. I said consecration at given to God as the pastors already said you serve him love him with all your heart with all your mind with all your soul with all your strength and when God can get us in that place the anointing just automatically flows through our lives the devil is real out there church I said the devil is real he is going about as a raging lion roaring seeking whom he may devour I'm so burdened down in my heart to see people that once had the anointing that God once used but the devil in such a subtle way has come along and snared them and detoured them and moved them out of where God wants them to be. Oh God help us today not to become like Samson but to say God if you said live it that way that's the way I'm going to live it. The world ain't going to like it but thanks be unto God the world's going to know who we are when we're consecrated to God. Somebody's Say amen. I discovered that Samson's consecration meant he could take a young lion by the by the beard and rip his jaws apart. Why? Because the spirit of the Lord moved upon him. I discovered in the Bible that, he was, that his consecration meant he could take the jawbone of a donkey and kill a thousand men and pile them up like cordwood and he didn't have any kind of armor on to do it because he was consecrated to God he was so consecrated to God when they shut him up in the city thought we got him now he just walked up to the closed gates pulled the gates up the bars and the posts put them on his shoulders didn't walk down the mountain walked up to the top of the mountain and laid them down he was a consecrated man to God listen to me this morning there's some of you you used to have it the power used to be there you used to run the aisles and shout the anointing the power of God flowed through your life but now you've taken a back seat I said you've taken a back seat spiritually you sat back and said no not me let somebody else do it no sir God's called every one of us we've got to stand up church I said you got to stand up against the devil today Paul was a consecrated man. In that New Testament, I know first he made havoc of the church, but God got his attention. When he struck him down, got him down, then he stood him back up again, and he stood him up and sent him down to the street called straight. And when he got off a street called straight, he come out of there full of the Holy Ghost and fire. And in Acts 20 and 24, the Bible said, that the Holy Ghost said to Paul, bonds and affliction await you in every city. I can tell you that would have stopped 99% of the church folks right there when they would have heard that bonds and afflictions are going to await me. You mean everywhere I go, I'm going to have to be in conflict with with the law enforcement officers. I'm going to be in conflict with people that are in opposition against me. Most people would have never went out, but Paul made a statement, but none of these things move me, neither count... I my life, dear, unto myself. Why, church? He was a consecrated man to the work of God. I said he's a consecrated. He made his mind up. It doesn't matter what comes my way. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stick. I'm going through. I know hell's going to raise. The devil's upset today. Why? Because there's somebody that's got their mind made up am going to serve God. I read in a history book of a man called John Owen. He preached with such anointing that the city folks in every city went to, they'd get together and run him out of town. So finally they got the law to make, a, make an act, enforce the law, and they called it the John Owen Act. And he could not come within five miles of a city and preach. But you think God stopped this man called John Owen? No, sir. He was consecrated in what he was doing. He just stopped five miles out of the city in the country. He'd get to preach and folks from the city would come to him. And then the country churches began to grow and build. Why? Because a man was consecrated to God. That's what God's looking for this morning in this congregation. He's looking for people to say, God, I'm going to be more than a pew warmer. I'm going to be more than one that's been in the bad I'm going to be more than one that pays my tithes and gives an offering. I'm going to be more than one that just and acquire I'm only one God that's given to you you can count on me I'm not going to run when the go and get stuff I'm going to stand up against the enemy and say God here I am send me oh oh look at Samson so used by God in such a mighty way the spirit of God flowed through him everywhere Samson went they knew him they said yes sir that's Samson you don't mess with him That's God's servant right there. God brought that boy in this world. His mom was barren for years. They never had no children. But God told her, that's that, that boy right there is yours. He belongs to you. They knew him when he come to town. I mean, they backed up. They didn't know about it. Brush up against Samson. They knew. I know. I know this morning. I don't believe he had no big biceps and triceps. I believe he looked normal, just as normal as far as body physique. But he had long hair. He was not a hippie. You hear me? He was not a hippie. He was a Nazarite at long hair I'm consecrated to God now folks that look at him say no you're different you're different Us. I'm going to tell you church you and I just so well accept the fact when you are truly born again sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost you're going to be different and I'm going to tell you the world's going to know when you're different why? because you are different here's Samson notice how he just keeps dabbling around he keeps playing with it I've seen that church today do the same. They've taken for granted God. They've taken for granted the anointing. And they've treated it like something as a fishing plug that you can they cast it out and use it when you need it. And when you don't, just stand that fishing rod in the corner with the plug on it. I can tell you no, it's not that way. But I've seen the church today, I see that church that's come to a place in the condition that Samson was in. And we we've learned it and we know better now. And and we know we've got great knowledge and and we don't have the anointing we don't need the anointing to sing and we don't need the anointing to preach and and we don't need the anointing to witness we've got a program now but oh Samson you come to the same place you begin to play with the knowledge of your anointing that God gave you but the day comes some disturbing news came I can see as the Jerusalem post had posted across the top headline Samson has been conquered and Those people there they said Oh I can't believe it Must be another Samson No look at his picture That's Samson That's the one that God sent our way to deliver us No it just can't be It must be a misprint It cannot be Samson I remember him My what an anointed servant of God he was But no sir The news article says Samson has been conquered The Philistines have him now then i can see the philistine herald as across their headlines it is posted there we have conquered samson and they said, no, no, can't, can't believe that. They're, they're talking about another Samson. That fellow we know, he's anointed. No, sir, you can't touch him. No matter how many people you get against him, he just kills anything, gets in his way. He overcomes everything. No, look, there's this picture. Well, it looks like him. Read the article. The article says we got him in captivity down in the jailhouse. That devil's trying to do the same thing to the church today. He's trying to shape and mold that church and he's doing it in a subtle way to bring that church to a place of powerlessness and he doesn't care. He'll even help the board to grow as far as numbers. you hear me? I've been places where I felt like the devil was helping them to grow. Why? Because a dandable doctrine was, was being propagated, and it was a means of damning people, soul, deceiving them that they might go to hell. Oh, God, help us to realize Samson was conquered after being used by God. Why? How can it be? The Bible said he told her all of his heart. What did he do? He gave in to his physical desires. Samson was insistent on having what he wanted. In, In spite of what he knew, he was insistent. He said, I'm going to have what I want, I'm going to get it, I know who I am. How's the enemy going to break the consecration of people in the church today? Just like he did Samson. The devil's going to press and urge you daily. He'll show you things. He'll advertise things to you. He'll express things. He'll show you some tongue talker over there that looks and lives like the devil and make you think they got the anointing. I'm going to tell you it never was and it's not today. I don't care how much they can cry. I don't care how much tongue they can talk in. That do not impress me. That Bible is the final rule. The Bible is the bottom line. I need not to go anywhere else but the book of God. I don't need a commentary. The Bible with the Holy Ghost will tell you exactly what it's going to take. But preacher, what has Samson got to do with me today? How can I relate to Samson? I can tell you they took a razor and they cut his hair. They took the man's consecration away from him. And one of the saddest statements in the Bible is he didn't even realize it. The enemy will take a razor of pride on you today. Pride is one of the most deadly, deadliest things in the church today. People exalt themselves in pride. And the enemy, he may not never get you with a honky-tonk stool. He may never get you with a camel cigarette. He may never get you with a Budweiser. But don't you ever deceive yourself in the thinking that just because you don't smoke or drink That you're all right. That you're not, you're immune to the enemy. No, no, folks. I I must admit to you that a razor of pride can be used on you to, you'll come to a place and you say, oh, he'll tell you, oh, what a fine fellow you are. And oh, what wonders God has used you in the past to do. Don't you remember, Samson, the jawbone and and the thousand men? Don't you remember the line? Don't you remember when you pulled the gates up and old Samson could sit back and say, yeah, man, I remember all the those things but you better remember samson that was in the past you're living in today the church of god is a denomination better realize where we're at today we better come to grips with the reality the times that we live in god will not share his glory with anyone he said no flesh of glory in my presence no, sir, it's God and God alone. How can, he, how can He break my consecration and cause me to lose the anointing? Second, He can cause a razor of self-sufficiency to get a hold of you. Hello now. I see that razor in the church today. I can hear it as it cuts through the air. And that, that razor it's doing just exactly what it was intended to do. It tells you you can do anything. And you can do it alone. You don't need the church. You don't need the pastor. I'm self-sufficient. And it, the bottom line is just live for self. But just as sure as we begin to make self the primary object of our existence, our luck, are shorn. I said just as sure as you make yourself as the primary object of existing then your locks have been shorn by the razor of the devil. And Samson, he come to that place. I don't need them Jews. I don't need them folks over there. I don't need to go back to where I come from. He thought I can live down here with these Philistines. I ain't afraid of them. I'm going to tell you, friend, you make that world your bosom. Buddy, you may be full of the Holy Ghost today, but you better be careful. The day will come that razor will cut your hair. Yes, we are to reach them, we are to get reach out to them. But when you make them your bosom buddies, that you go here and there with them, and you don't go with the church, the razor's going to cut you away, and you're going to lose your anointing. When we become self-sufficient. You know, we don't, in America, don't pray for God to give us clothes. When's the last time you prayed that way? When's the last time you prayed and asked God to put food on the table? Oh, we thank Him for it after it's on the table. When's the last time that we thank God for the home? Hello, you're getting quiet now. But you know the Bible teaches a principle that we are to trust God daily. He tried his best to instill and incorporate that into the minds of the Jews as they was going through the wilderness. How? He said six days, go out there and pick up manna. On the sixth day, get enough for the Sabbath. The other five days, you get enough for that one day. Why? He's teaching them a principle. Trust God. Just trust God. Believe God. He's going to take care of you. And and some of them would would get too much on the the day and then get up the worms that'd be in it. And then the Bible said some of them would go out there on the Sabbath day looking for it. God already told them it ain't going to be there. I'm going to see that same principle in the prayer that Jesus gave to the disciples. He said, pray. Pray, pray pray what give us this day our daily bread give it to us oh thank god it's there thank god it's in the cupboards thank god but remember if you're not careful a razor of self-sufficiency i'll get a hold of it and you'll think i can do it i don't need god i am self-sufficient samson come down because he was self-sufficient I'm going to plug this in right here. You may disagree with it, but I'm convinced of it. What it took for you to get the Holy Ghost, it's going to take the same plus more to keep Him. Now, when you nailed it an all and you told God, I'm going to do this and I ain't going to do that, and He sanctified you and He filled with the Holy Ghost, but if you go back and pick up what you laid down, you make yourself a transgressor. Now, you may say, Preacher, I still talk in tongues. But don't be fooled by the fact because you just talk in tongues. Because I've learned the fact that I, I was very disturbed when years ago in my early ministry how that some folks was talking in tongues and lived like the world, lived like the devil, some of them. And that confused me. It bothered me. And I got to ask God, God, you've got to help me. you got to show me something here. Here's folks doing things contrary to that Bible. They're, they're singing like a mockingbird, bird talking in tongues. And some of them even try to give out messages. And God impressed upon me. Yes, there's some that are deceived that they never had him to begin with. But there's some that used to have the Holy Ghost. And He's left them because sin will cause the Holy Ghost to take a uh, leave you. He said, and now that language is embedded on the cells of their brain, and they still have the ability to speak within their own means. What it took for you to get the Holy Ghost is going to take the same for you to keep Him. Plus, more. What do you mean, preacher? Because once you have the Holy Ghost, He is going to begin to enlighten you in this book, He's going to begin to show you the way. He's going to begin to reveal it to you. And then as He opens your understanding, as the light shines on your path, you are to walk therein. Now hear me. He don't do it all at one time because you couldn't take it. I said you couldn't handle it. You could not handle. God put everything out there at one time. It, it drive you, you. You blow your mind. But as we mature now, therefore, as you walk on this road, if you come to a place God shows you something, no matter who's doing it or not doing it, if He shows it to you, you're going to have to do it yourself. If you don't, you're going to lose your anointing. To have the anointed of God means total surrender. Now let me tell you, I've already stated in this meeting, I'm very plain spoken. I have nothing to hide, nothing to run from. I'm not running a popularity contest. But nobody has the Holy Ghost that spits brown. Nobody has the Holy Ghost that goes in mixed bathing. Nobody has the Holy Ghost that sips toddies. But preacher, I've saved preacher nothing. I can tell right there some of you didn't like that part about mixed bathing. It doesn't matter how many super water slides they build up there in North Carolina. I don't care how many people went sliding down it together. You'll never show me in that Bible where that is true, that that God intended that. If you read that book from first to last, the very first part of it shows you that they made themselves aprons of fig leaves, and God said that ain't enough. You don't have that body covered enough. And he had to kill some, some sheep and put clothes upon them. I believe he clothed them fully. And you read this book, in the end of the book, they have robes on. I don't believe the robes were cut down to the navels. I don't believe the backs were cut out of them. I don't believe they're up above their knees. I don't believe the sleeves were cut out of them. I believe the robes is going to cover the bodies of the saints. Somebody help me now. Hallelujah, I feel like I'm getting in a briar patch now. I can tell you I've been there before. And I've got skin up some too. I heard one preacher talking about one so-called Holy Ghost saint went to a party, had three martinis, started to order the fourth one. And the Holy Ghost, she said, spoke to her and said, no, no. Three is enough for you, you can't handle four. That's hogwash. That that's silly, that's ignorant. But you hear me, she believed it, and she'll deceive somebody else with that damnable doctrine and I can drink martinis and have the Holy Ghost. I'm not, I'm not questioning whether she's talks in tongues. No, sir. I question who gives the utterance, So, I'm not questioned whether or not she attends a church. I, I question what kind of church does she attend. What is God living there? Oh, listen to this preacher. If you're going to have the anointing, self must have a funeral. The greatest avenues... Of the enemy today in the church is flesh. But preacher, I got sanctified 40 years ago. I can tell you this. But you're still living in a body. And that devil still come around. And he'll tempt you and try you. Why? That he might cause you to fall. Jesus said to the devil, You found nothing in me. Why? In other words, Jesus cut him off every time he tried to work through the flesh. But Jesus would recognize it and cut him off. We have the same ability through the Lord Jesus Christ by the Holy Ghost to do that when the devil comes. It is not wrong to be tempted. It is wrong when you succumb to temptations. We're all going to be tempted. But we can say, Devil, I'm not going to do it. I'm not giving in to the flesh. I'm not giving in to self. Self is Dead. Jonathan Edwards said, I claim no right to myself. You remember this fellow in history how that after an all-night prayer meeting he stood up before his congregation and read from his manuscript Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And when he got through reading his message... As he read, men, grown men, screamed and held on to poles and seats as they felt like they was literally going to drop into hell. And when he had concluded, grown men screamed, running to the altar. No wonder God used Tony Edwards. He said, I claim no right to myself, to my understanding, to my will, to my affections that are in me. Neither do I have any right to this body or its members, no right to this tongue, hands, feet, ears, and eyes. He said, I have given myself clear way and not retain anything of my own. His law is constant, he is the constant rule of my obedience. I will fight with all my might against the world, against the flesh, against the devil, to the To the end of my life, I receive the Blessed Spirit as my teacher, sanctifier, only comforter, and cherish all of His admonitions to enlighten, to purify, to confirm, to comfort, and assist me. No wonder, church, that God used Jonathan Edwards. He said, I don't live Jonathan Edwards is dead. Jesus Christ is alive. We must come back to that place in the church again. We've tried to blame God and blame this one and blame that one. No, no. You can have as much as God as you want. Brother Terry, I'm going to use you. What's your last name, Brother Terry? Wilbur? Brother Terry Wilbur, for the sake of someone not knowing here on the tape, and I don't think I'm talking about the pastor. But Brother Terry standing over there in the tent one night at the end of the uh, end of, the, of the, the platform, I overheard him praying. I was standing there, and I overheard him praying. He said, God, I want more of you. God, I want more of you. And as I stood there listening to Brother Terry pray, immediately, I believe it was a revelation from God. God said to me, the, the more, the less of you then there'll be more of me. The less there is of us, then there'll be more of God. You know why a lot of people don't have much of God? Because self is there. It's my way. It's what I want. It's what I'm gonna do. It's what I get getting ready to do. But God can't use you then. No, sir. George Mueller, a man that was a man to prayer. He somebody said, What is your secret, George Mueller? He said, There was a day when I utterly died. Died to George Mueller's opinions, preferences, tastes, and will. He said, I died to the world and to its approval or censor. I died to the approval or blame even of my friends and brethren. I have studied only it to show myself approved unto God. No wonder that God used George Mueller because George Mueller died and the sweet Lord Jesus Christ walked around in the tabernacle where George Mueller used to live. William Booth, the man that started the Salvation Army, he said, God has had all there was to have of me, all the adoration of my heart, all the power of my will, and all the influence of my life. No wonder God used this man Call William Booth. He made his mind up. It doesn't matter what people think about me, what they say about me. I'm giving myself to God. Is God asking too much of us? That attitude is in the church today. God, you're asking too much of us. You're putting too much on us. But I'll tell you when you look at Calvary and you watch Calvary and you see and you hear the groans and the pangs and the words that come from Calvary, you'll never stand up and make that kind the statement, you'll never one time say to God, you're asking too much of me. No, sir, because the price that was paid for us. I'm concluding this message with these statements. My question is, how long and how far will we go before we repent? What's it going to cost? Look at the consequences of Samson's breaking his consecration. First, He wist not that the Lord had left him. Second, he's bound and he can do nothing about it. Third, they pluck his eyes out. One commentary said they literally pulled his eye sockets out of the holes. That's exactly what the devil's done to some precious people in the church. He's blinded them. They don't know what. Philistines make sport out of him. Has not the devil done that with the Pentecostal church t- today? Some under the heading and the guise of Pentecostal have stood up and say I am Pentecostal. They even talk on tongues on television. I'm going to throw a name out there at you. Robert Tilton is the biggest fraud I've ever seen under the guise of religion. But he's on television and people send their money to him. At by thousand dollar pledges and up, he'll talk in, he'll talk on, in tongues, he'll prophesy. You say, preacher, aren't you afraid to call their name? You know that's what's wrong now. It's because people are afraid to put their finger on sin and identify false prophets. Don't you know you can be sued? You, can you imagine the Apostle Peter being afraid he's going to be sued? Can you imagine Paul being afraid he was going to be sued? Well, I better not call at that man's name. I I better not say nothing about that that ministry over there. Oh, under the guise of love and unity, we've diluted this thing down until we're chickens. Well, hallelujah, anyhow. That world mocked him and made fun of him. And that's exactly what the world's doing today about the church. Saying, you folks ain't what you say you are. You go to the same places we go to. You talk just like we do. You tell the same jokes we do. I'm not talking about everybody. No, I'm talking about general wise. The whole deal in a nutshell. Sure, God's always had a remnant and he still does. He's going to have a remnant, and that remnant's going to go in the rapture. But I'm going to tell you this morning, friend, here at Samson's at the mill grinding. Why? Because he broke his consecration, and he's there. Oh, I know Samson's I you know, Many a night, brother, he went to bed of thinking, Oh, why did I do that? Why did I ever go down there with that woman? Why did I let the devil trick me? Why did I listen to my parents? Why did I? Why, why, why? But it's too late. Now, Samson, your eyes are gone. Finally, Samson, the Bible said that Samson's hair began to grow again. I don't know how much time went by, but after a while, his consecration come back out again. I can tell you, not only because his hair grew out, but I can tell you before that hair ever got out there, he had prayed a many prayers of repentance. Yes, sir. He had cried a many a night and said, Oh, God. I'm so sorry I failed you. I'm so far, sorry that I let you down. I mean, a many a day went by and he was out there grinding in that old meal, walking around. Couldn't see, but he could hear them ears become very sensitive to people as they mocked him and made fun. Oh, there's old Samson, the one that killed the lion. But look at it. We have him bound like a child now and we're working him like a beast. The devil wants to do the same to every person here this morning. But he began to pray, Oh, Lord God, remember me. I pray only this once. Just remember me again, God. He began to say, God, my eyes are gone. And then Philistines took him away from me. He said, God, would you just give me that anointing one more time? Would you just let me feel what I felt in years gone by just one more time? I wonder how many of this morning is here like that. That you'd say, God, I, I want to feel that anointing one more time. I want that power to flow in my life one more time. You hear this preacher. Samson did not fall overnight. He wasn't full of the Spirit of God one day, and the next day he it was, he's Lord. No, no. Little by little, Samson began to backslide. Like riding a bicycle. You quit pedaling. You go for a ways you're going to fall after a while. You'll coast for a while, and you're going to fall. You quit praying. You'll feel anointing for a while, but after a while, an anointing is going to leave you. I didn't say the tongues will leave you, but the anointing will leave you. And the devil will beat you around. He'll slap you around. He'll manipulate you. He'll do just what he wants to with you because there's no anointing. But this morning... I wonder would we be honest enough to say, Lord, I want that anointing again. Lord, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get it back. i going to tell you it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you to have the anointing. It's going to cost you to keep it. First of all self must die. There must be a total surrender to God. And then there must be a consistent lifestyle of stewardship to Jesus. And you can keep that anointing. You can mark this down in your book. As the day of the Lord approaches, you're going to see people in the church backslide by the multitudes. You're going to see people that once had the anointing that God used, you're going to see them fall by the wayside to the left and to the right. Why? Because they have lost their anointing. And the devil is standing up stronger and stronger every day because of the church. It's anointing is getting less and less. The less the anointing, the stronger the powers of darkness. We better recognize that and stand up again this last day and hour. Samson got the anointing back. He got it back. God answered that prayer, that plea, that cry of his soul. God answered it. But I want you to see my concluding remark is look at what it cost him. Look at what it cost him to get it back. He would already lost his eyes. He lost his identity. He lost his respect. He got his anointing. But he got it in the closing moments of his life. I believe Samson went to heaven. I believe Samson's in heaven. And look at what he could have done for God, but he didn't. Father, today. Thank you for this beautiful Sunday, the first day of this week. I'm persuaded to believe that you sent these people here today. You sent them here for a message, for the word of the Lord to touch their hearts. To some, you have warned them, you've tried to enlighten them, instruct them. Come to reality with himself, if they would but just analyze their condition today, comparing it with what they were in yesterdays. You said to the church at Ephesus, Thou hast left thy first love. They didn't lose him, they left him. Lord, I want to be consecrated to you. It's cost me, Lord, but I'm not complaining. I've had to give up some things. I've had to take on some things. There's been some things that were most precious things to me. I had to lay them aside. I can say to you today, God, it's worth it. It is really worth it. And I pray for this people. I pray for this church. Would you stand with me? Would you so kindly just bow your heads one more time? I just feel like there's someone here this morning. You're on a road. You're on a road, and it's going to lead you to the grinding mill. You may not be to a place where your eyes have plucked out yet. It may be that you've just gone down to Gaza. But your next step is going to be you're going to lay your head in the lap of Delilah. And then your third step is going to be you're going to shake yourself and wish not that the Lord has departed. Somebody, God's talked to you today. And you want to pray? I want you to slip out from where you're standing and find your place at this altar. You'll say, Brother Mason, I can't leave until I talk to God. I don't want to lose my anointing. Or maybe you have and you want it back again. You can pray just like Samson Lord. Lord, hear me. Lord, hear me today. Is it more important to go and eat? Is it more important to slip out and go sit down in a restaurant somewhere in your home? Or is the most important thing this morning is it to have the anointing? Is it to have power? What's the important thing in your life today? What's your priorities? For those of you that want to pray, the altars are open. Those of you that must leave, You leave at your own will. Remember the service tonight is 6.30. God, we must have that anointing again. God, we cannot survive without the anointing. It's our only means of survival. Make us aware of the devices of Satan as he's trying to move us out of the place you put us and rob us of that precious anointing that only God can give. I pray this morning, Lord, move the church. Move the church again. As we wake up one day and consider the cost, it would have been too great to pay. Move us today, I pray, Lord. It takes praying through to have the anointing take spray through again